0: Kaminetsky Brothers Podcast, ESPN LA, Brian Kaminetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Friday, the 21st of April, April 21st, um, and it, we are in the, the thick of the first round of the NBA playoffs. We'll talk about that. Um, it, we have some final reaction, I guess, to Lakers exit interviews uh,
1: coming up, and we're going to give away a statue, Andy. We haven't done that in a while. We have not given away a statue, but we we have a very outside-the-box candidate for a statue. Very special. Apropos, too, by the way, uh, given where we are in this franchise's uh, history and moving forward, this is a guy that, quite frankly, needs a statue. I wonder who it could be. I wonder, too. Actually, we know,
0: but <laughs> we're not telling you. Um, so we have that, and we it's the the one-year anniversary of Prince's death. So we will be uh, talking a little bit about Prince. We've got a, a, an a- interesting exercise passed along to us Uh, from stealing from Bomani Jones. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll do that as uh, closer to the end. Uh, But let's start with the NBA playoffs, Andy, because that's where we are right now. And last night, Thursday night, was, I think, uh, the moment where if he wasn't doing it before, Paul George officially invaded the dreams of every Laker fan uh, around L.A. It was the perfect storm. George had a big line, 38 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. In a game where the Pacers got up huge and then blew a massive lead, in a you know in a way that will probably only continue to make him mad after calling out teammates before after game one and game two, um, I don't think it could be possible for Paul George to be any more disgruntled than he will than he was after game three.
1: Yeah, if Paul George had felt like he did not have the supporting cast. Before, and if he felt like he was out on an island by himself before... And it kind of seemed like he did, Andy. And he definitely feels that way now. And then in the meantime, Brian, beyond the fact that the Pacers look like they're they in danger of getting swept by oh, the Cavaliers... They're, they're going to get swept.
0: At they, best, it goes five. Right, at I mean, best it goes five. They're, they're, is, they're, it's not...
1: Yeah. They're, they started out this series against Cleveland looking like they might have been capable enough... To push Cleveland to a point where Paul George might have been able to convince himself, you know what we're we got close. A little, we got a Miles Turner's going to get a little bit. bit. Got got it, a, yeah. Lance Stevenson's back. You know, we we may have a little bit more than I thought. Right now, it's looking like if yeah, CJ we,
0: Miles hits the shot that he shouldn't have been taking, then right. We're in a, but, in a but right now, they
1: look like a team that is exactly uh, how Paul George imagined them when it comes to their potential. But on top of it, totally inadequate. But yeah. on top of it. And this again is why Laker fans have to be excited at the prospect of nothing else of Paul George becoming a Laker. Who is the team that people picture him going to? If not the Lakers, if not the it Pacers, is the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics have been garbage during the yeah, playoffs. Yes.
0: So now look, Rajon Rondo is uh, a hurt, and I didn't. even I saw that news. Oh, Rajon Rondo's out for the game three. That really. Wait a minute, Rondo's hurt. When did that happen? He's out indefinitely because He's, of a fractured, fractured thumb. thumb. He's been playing really it's the well. The only He's, thing that separates us from the animals. Andy, he should fracture. The, he should fracture the other thumb. He's been playing phenomenal. So Rondo won't play, which obviously changes the whole tenor of the series. And maybe this is what allows Boston to to scrape through. Because I mean, let's not forget, Chicago sucks. Chicago is very bad. And in the you know, but Boston is you know the analytics say basically the worst number one seed a, a conference has seen in a long time, and they were just getting hammered on the boards. But the big point of that, and you know, I think what you were getting at, Zach Lowe was listening to his podcast last night. He made this point, too. Boston has been so bad, and their record has been kind of so misleading, and th- there's stuff going on. These guys know that they, instead of looking at themselves as one player away, they might look at it and say, if we give up all this stuff for Paul George, we still aren't good enough. And so let's hold on. Let's wait try to figure out others to build a team around because paul george will kind of cap us out there that's and it won't be good enough yeah so maybe boston is less enthused
1: about going after him this offseason. well but i mean let's just say boston takes the opposite uh the opposite lesson they say okay we desperately need to bring in somebody like paul george right if paul george gets traded for this is not a team that makes you feel threatened that he'll end up staying. That's true. There's that. I mean, so even if Boston somehow ends up with Paul George, you know, the, the big fear that Laker fans would have, and you and I have talked about this before, the Celtics looked like a team that if George got traded to, and even if they weren't his first choice or second choice at the time. Right. They're, they're good. You could picture yeah. him being like, all right, you know what? I, I could get used to this playing with Isaiah Thomas, Andy, playing with Al Horford. Greatness! That's what they are. They're a little forced.
0: I was my my arrow was on the greatness button. A little bit forced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: saying it was it was a little bit forced. It was. So Andy, we were talking about Rudy Giuliani. Greatness. All right. You um, know what? That would have been. Wait, hold on. Let me do this one though. Shame. <laughs> that would have been more random, but less forced. If if you crammed in the Giuliani reference, more random, less forced. But anyway, like the the Celtics do not seem. Like a threat for Paul George, the way that you could at least conceive them before. Right, and so um, this is going phenomenally really well. You, if, and
0: and Andy, it, we're waiting on the one last thing we're waiting on. The, like the final, the final key is whether or not Paul George makes this all NBA team. Like, do voters? And I, I know this is something we we've, we've kind of talked about. Like, do voters? Give him his seventy million
1: dollars, or don't they? I gotta say, I, I you and I have it's a both, horrible setup. You and I have both wanted to be NBA voters. Like I would love to be able to vote on this stuff. I That'd get, I, I get why we're not, but I, we're, we're, I mean, <laughs> there there are a lot of reasons. There are a why. lot of reasons. I get uh, why we're not. Ch- chief among many, I could see where the people who make these decisions might decide you and I just aren't responsible or serious enough for that. Although, if we actually got the opportunity, we'd take it quite seriously. I take regular voting seriously. I, I do too. Seriously, I, I, hell, I, I vote in the local elections. I we take have that one coming up seriously. on May seventeenth or <laughs> yes, whatever. It's got
0: <laughs> literally one thing on. I know one thing. I know this. I don't want to get too far afield here. Andy. That is so ridiculous. It's so. California. There are too many elections. It's so. California. Too many elections. Yeah. I want to vote. I'm. I am. You know, post twenty sixteen presidential. I am woke, Andy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am never going to blow off another election or whatever and all that stuff. Not that I blew off the last one, but local politics are even more important, really, than national politics. And I, I, I admit, I haven't voted in every local election. I am now committed. You got to give me more than one thing on a ballot. Yeah. I mean, it's a waste of everyone's time and money. It's and the most sport.
1: California thing. Ever.
0: One thing. You know, although I will say, if you happen to care about this issue, and I think it's something about policing yes, and whatever, it, it's go really, vote.
1: It's civic reviews for uh, police cases.
0: 29 people in this city are going to vote on this thing. So go out and vote if you ever want your vote to count. But,
1: uh, but s- anyway. Swinging it back to Paul George, and for people who aren't aware, if Paul George ends up making the All-NBA team, the extra money that the Pacers can offer Paul George in their efforts to retain him it's about seventy million dollars yes. extra. Something it's like the, that. It's
0: the weird like supermax clause right. thing where it, you know, it, but they gotta come up with a better way to
1: do it. They do you need have to come people up with voting a better way. Right. As much as I would love to actually be able to vote on these NBA awards and would take it really seriously, I could not handle the pressure of taking seventy million dollars away from Paul George. Like if he is or giving it to him. Giving it to him I could live with. I but, could absolutely, But you
0: understand that like either way. This is, by the way, is why a lot of like ESPN, a lot of, they won't let their
1: people vote sure, anymore. Sure. I mean, the giving it to him, I can live with because it ain't my money. And I, I understand that, you know, you're giving Indiana an edge and re-signing him. And that there certainly are complications and, and implications that come with that. But that's so much easier than taking it away from him. Like, it, I if, guess that's true. I mean, look, Brian, if he is anywhere. Remotely close to third team four, which I think he certainly is in that conversation. Sure. If I'm a voter, that money breaks the tie for me. I I cannot handle the idea of taking that from him. I'd be
0: willing. The money breaks the tie for me. If Paul George is willing to let it break the tie for me, hey Paul, how bad do you want the All NBA
1: thing? You could work a lot of side deals and still. But that's a real. I
0: I joke. But that's actually like a real possibility. Of course it is. Paul George's agent making some back channel phone calls to different writers around going like, you know, my understanding is, you know, little Katie wants to go to private school and not state school. I mean, look
1: Paul's at, willing to help you with that. I mean, to put this in perspective, look how much media will show up to anything and jump all over whatever free stuff we can like get. Like sandwiches. Yeah, like like, s- here's sandwiches. a sandwich. I mean, you, you and I take bottles of Dasani out of Staples Center every game. 3 at least. <laughs> 3. At th- I least. take at least 3 bottles of water cuz there are water bottles there, they're free they and we are take
0: them out. Practically giving them away.
1: So, I uh, once saw There's an actual check involved.
0: I once saw Craig Sager who was making Real money working for TNT at the time, filling his bag with the free beer from the uh, from the the case. I mean, we all do it. <laughs>
1: Maybe not that many, but I mean, I don't know if he literally filled the whole
0: thing, but he was putting in multiple
1: beers. We all take free stuff, sure. So the idea that you can actually take something of tangible value—it's it's a it's a messed up system. How much would Paul George have to give you? Probably not as much as he should <laughs> because look if Paul George gives me enough money that it's worth my while if I lose my ability to vote and even lose my job oh, I probably made more more bucks right I made more in that payoff and bribe than I'll ever make in this actual career yeah so that ain't hard all right so that so
0: all of these things are lining up really well for the Lakers which gets to the next question about this all is does that make you more or less like I mean in theory, it drives down what you have to give up to get him if you want to trade for him, um, and you know you can always roll the dice with, hey, well, I think we can sign him anyway. But it's a lot easier to make that signing if you can give him the big money as opposed to the the, the smaller money. Do you do you still trade for him this summer? Let's say you got to give up Russell or Ingram and something, because obviously you know, and and you can't use it to dump contracts. It's not the
1: Carmelo Anthony scenarios. It feels less urgent. I mean, you still have to consider it because you never know when somebody's going to be happy in their situation. You never know what Indiana Indiana might do next year. You never know what another team might do. You never know who might trade for him. I mean, remember, Kobe went from demanding to play on Pluto to four months later realizing he was on a team that was capable of making the finals. And that was before they got Powell. Yes. So a lot can happen, which means that there's a lot you can leave to chance. Right. Particularly when there's always
0: the team that has Paul George can give him much more money. But it does feel less urgent. I will say this. It doesn't feel nearly as threatening as it
1: did three weeks ago. Yeah. All
0: right. So the other the other big guy out there that I don't think anybody thinks about is of him leaving and becoming a free agent. But it's interesting and it's related to Paul George is Russell Westbrook. And, you know, the. He was incredible for three quarters in Game 2 against Houston, and he was god-awful in, uh, in the fourth quarter, 4 of 18 from the floor, and instantly creates the Westbrook referendum question that, that divides people up and all that stuff. And look, I, I, love, I love watching him play. I don't think that this season has helped Oklahoma City, who obviously needs help. Uh, they obviously need help in, in, in terms of surrounding Westbrook with better talent. I don't think the triple-double season, the MVP, I think, like, you think he's going to win the MVP, don't you? I think he will. I think he will. The MVP season of Russell Westbrook I don't think is going to attract people to Oklahoma City in the same way that Paul George, who is a lesser player, I don't think anybody would debate that, not as good, but much easier to play with. Yeah. I think if you're the second star the Lakers would want to attract, it's much easier to say, okay,
1: I can go be me with Paul George, then I can go be me with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, you and I have had these concerns about Westbrook before, you know, when the talk was, will the Lakers essentially peddle all of their young players, flip them all to OKC for Russell Westbrook? And that was especially after Durant left and everybody expected... Everybody assumed he'd be gone. Right, everybody assumed he'd be gone as opposed to re-upping. Westbrook is not for everybody in the same way that Kobe was not for everybody. And what I think is really interesting, potentially at least, about this scenario with Westbrook and OKC trying to build around him more is you know, for all the talk of whether people wanted to play with Kobe or not, we never really answered the question because when Kobe was at his peak and the Lakers were a really good team, a contending team, they never had cap space. So we never knew whether or not Free agents really did want to play with Kobe, and when, and, Kobe
0: not- and when Kobe was doing closer to what Westbrook is now, where his usage rate was a billion, and he was dominating every facet of it, and shooting thirty times a game, and all that kind of stuff, they weren't in position. You know, that's that's when they were you know seven, eight seeds, and whatever, but they still weren't they weren't there long enough. To find
1: out who else, because then they, them, developed and they got Powell. Right. And they, they just, they were capped out during Kobe's peak years. So we never really answered the question one way or the other. And, and, you know, the tail end post Achilles, yeah, people didn't want to play with Kobe, but that's, the team wasn't very good and you were going to be second fiddle to a guy you were better than. Right. The team was still going to revolve around Kobe. That's a bad setup. Don't you think, though, I feel like this Russ, and maybe I'm
0: just, I'm too far away from the closest thing again with the Smush Parker. You know the the team. Kobe was two weeks worth of fifty point games and dragging right. this very ordinary team to the playoffs. That was the closest equivalent. Maybe I'm just too far. No, it's the, the closest to, equivalent to remember
1: the day to day of that. I think that team was this, I think OKC OKC's, OKC's s- team current team is deeper. Yes, Kobe had the best second player of everyone. Lamar Odom right. was better than anybody currently on the Thunder.
0: I I don't. F- I I feel like this version of Russ. Is even for fewer people than that version of Kobe. It may be because, like you, so, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, well, it's because the NBA has changed. Yeah, you're right. The, the NBA has changed. A you're lot. right. You're right. That's it. Because the way Kobe played back then was much more in line with how number one guys play. Now it's much more of the analytics, egalitarian, moved ball around type. Which thing Russ here. does. I mean, well, he averages he over. He does. 10. He
1: does. He just does it in a very ball dominant alpha male way. And and, and this is where Very And Russ.
0: this is where it's hard because, on the one hand, it's like, come on, man. Like you, some of these shots you're taking are they're terrible, worse than that. They're terrible, and they got to be demoralizing. And they, all these other things, and and they and it wasn't working. And so I get this is sort of what got them there. And I get that Russ took a lot of these shots all year long and he made a lot of them. And he's, you know, the big reason that I thought they could get close to 50 50 games. I didn't think this was exactly how they could do it. I just, I don't, I don't think that this is is how you can go forward. Like you can't, you you look at it and you say, I, I, you know, it's, it ain't right. But then he leaves the floor for 90 seconds and they lose the whole lead. And Oladipo hasn't been good. And,
1: I can understand the impulse to say, "What's the alternative?" I don't know what it is. I mean, this is how they got there. I mean, the the numbers bear it out. They are way better when Russell Westbrook gets a triple oh, double, the,
0: and when he gets a triple, and, and when obviously he's not on the floor they're catastrophic. Right, and
1: obviously, all triple doubles are not created equal. And you can look at the efficiency and all of those, and how many shots he took. Blah 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 blah. The bottom line is, generally speaking, the more Russ does, the better they are. Either way, though. Russell Westbrook is the most fascinating playoff player that we've had since LeBron actually deserved some scrutiny. I mean, the last few years, people have scrutinized LeBron. It's been ridiculous. I mean, it's just been petty and stupid. But there was a period where LeBron was under a microscope, and I do think he actually deserved it on some level. Even if you acknowledged he was obviously a great player. Russell Westbrook is that guy right now who is so fascinating to watch. He's fascinating to discuss. He's fascinating to figure out what the implications of the way that he play th- those implications Everything are. Everything about it because I it's I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that guy. I prefer
0: aesthetically the James Harden way. And look, James Harden is plenty ball dominant. It's not like he doesn't. But there's it's a fl- it's more flowing. It's not as it's not as aggressively. Individualistic in the way that Russ is. Again, even acknowledging he is averaging over ten assists a game, I get that.
1: And that Harden is a pretty individualistic player. Of course, he really is. But there,
0: it's it, it is so in your face with Russ. And I don't want to be the guy who reflexively, you know, discounts how amazing his season is. Says you know, focuses only on the bad. And not to the expense of it's amazing. Like, you know, Max used to say, Max Kellerman used to say when, on our air all the time about Kobe, and it was a great point. Yes, he, he could be a even better. He could be even better. Like, wouldn't it be even greater if Kobe was more of a welcoming teammate? If he had a little bit more of the you know, sort of LeBron or magic in him or whatever, and he moved the ball a little bit more and all that. Wouldn't it he would be even greater than he is? No question. But what he is is already amazing and great, and you don't discount that because you you have problems with the, the, the smaller percentage. I feel the same way about Westbrook. I, But what I can't get past is the idea that this doesn't work for them long term, not because, oh, well, they don't got the roster now, but because I don't think you can get the roster with this guy it's as a legit
1: question to I ask. don't think you can do it. It's a very legit question to ask.
0: Um, all right, so that's that. And uh, we won't have much more time to talk about Westbrook, I don't think, cause I don't think that series is going to last long. But the playoffs will obviously keep a track of as they go along. The Lakers, though, finished their exit interviews earlier – or was it last week? They finished it was last it, week. Last week. Uh, but we haven't talked since then. Where do you want to start? You want to start with – I know you were with D'Angelo this week. Um, we also heard a lot of Silicon Valley – um exec modern babble rabble with the uh, Rob polinka <laughs> or.
1: You know what? You just brought up Polinka. Let's stay there. Alright, so
0: this I thought was one of the most important things that Polinka said the entire time. This this matters. Uh Polinka was talking about free agents and you know for all the he was talking to everyone. He was talking about the players, he was talking to media, but he really he was communicating with the rest of the league, and I think this is super important.
2: I anticipate that there are many stars that understand how unique this Los Angeles Laker platform is, and I am fully convinced that um, we will have one or more than one come. Um, to put a timetable on it, I, I can't do that, but um, I do think that as we engage in conversations with um voices of influence there it seems like the current of the river has shifted and whereas in past years it was gosh I don't even know if we're going to get meetings with certain players you can just feel a current uh shifting now towards us of excitement of 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 gosh I think that's going to be a huge destination whether it's people in the media saying they want to be drafted here now or whether it's um you know just rumblings you hear about players that that want to come to LA you can feel the current shifting our way again
0: feels a little self-serving I, I must say but really what he's he the, the Lakers are trying to change this narrative that that the LA is a a you know frantic it's it's what's the word I'm looking dysfunctional, at? dysfunctional. thank you geez it wasn't even that hard a word to come up with but like the the L.A. that you – the Lakers organization that you think of when you think of great Lakers teams is back. And he's talking to agents and he's talking to players and he's he's selling this team like an agent would. His client is the team and no longer an individual player. And to hear him talk about it that um, aggressively in terms of, like, it's changing. People are talking about us differently. If you say things enough times, it can become true.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember when I attended his uh, introductory press conference and uh, got asked by a lot of people – what did he sound like? Because Rob Palinka, to this point, was somebody who didn't really talk a lot, uh, privately or publicly. I mean, you and I have had a few conversations with him over the years. They lasted not six su- words, not super chatty. And my response was always, "He sounds like an agent. He sounded like an agent on the dais, spinning narrative, branding. You know, like you said, his client in this case, the Lakers, the way you want it to be." And we saw with this last election, you know, Donald Trump, whether you like him as president, don't like him as president, he is a master brander. I mean, that is more than anything. Donald Trump is amazing at branding. I think it's probably his biggest success. It's all he does. does, But the the way that branding works is it, it is a relentless spinning forward of whatever narrative you want in that moment. You know, Donald Trump would say. Five things in 20 minutes that would all contradict each other. But if you try to sell it, you know, it's like George Costanza once said, it's not a lie if you believe it. Mm-hmm. And Rob Palinka, you know, up there sounding like a guy doing a Kobe system commercial, you know, I mean, sounds like Steve oh, the Jobs. Whole, the whole thing was, was we were wondering how
0: Kobe Bryant is going to be working with the organization now. And the answer is, in in the in the image
1: of Rob Palenka, or this is or Rob Palenka helped craft the image for Kobe. You, you never know. Whatever but it is, but like he it, sounded it, like,
0: everything. Everything he said from the beginning sounded like
1: a version of Kobe. Right. It sounded like a Kobe system commercial. It sounded like the movie The Master. He was playing Philip Seymour Hoffman, except there are no Scientology overtones. But that, it's, that Fewer, spe- it's that type of it's that type of aura. But if you push it forward enough. And you've got charisma, and I think Rob Palinka does have a certain amount of that. And you can actually start providing tangible examples of why things are are actually getting better. Then, yeah, I think the masses will buy it. But you have, but, but you look to create. You have to. You you have to, your you have to own, sell the reality. Sure. You have to create
0: the reality and change. If again, if you say it enough times, it becomes true. But I mean, the the the, the like contrast. Beatles. Yeah, the contrast. You know, here's here's Palinka again talking about. The change and in, in selling the change and what's going to be different with this group of uh, you know the Magic Johnson Palinka led group.
2: You never want to just make a trade to say, "Oh, we need to go make a splash." But everything we want to do is is we want to be really, really thoughtful, deliberate, intelligent. And so, you know, as we speak, teams that are out of the playoffs can start to entertain trade discussions. So, we have a call to action to make our roster better. Um, We know the ways that can be done. That can be done with the draft lottery. That can be done with trades. It can be done in free agency. We are daily cranking out scenarios uh, of ways we can improve. Um, And then along with that, we know we have to have uh, an accountability system of excellence to grow our young players. And we are already working on putting things in place to Help our guys develop. Um, one of the things that that we're going to put into place is uh, is a wellness coordinator here, who's who's looking at things like guys' sleep habits, their nutrition habits, their lifting regimen, um, their training, and making the, sure that the efforts are really, really coordinated for the player development. So I think you got to be firing on all cylinders to reach greatness, and we're looking at that every day.
0: Two things. First of all, how the hell did they not have that before? Second, <laughs> think about all the stuff you heard in there, you know, the buzzwords, you know, excellence and you know the 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 preparation, the emphasis on preparation and scenarios and all these things. Everything Polinka does, it is thoroughly modern. Yeah. All of it is meant to be ultra modern. And the language that he uses will resonate with other agents that will resonate with uh, other GMs because this is how the world works now is an extension of this sort of Silicon Valley management style where you know the commitment to excellence and preparation and scenarios and analytics and all these other things. It is, they could not be without being bleeps about it, basically could not be saying any more clearly, We are not the guys who were
1: here before. It makes sense. It's, it, wh- it's, it's, what, it's what they what should th- do, it's Absolutely. what they need to be saying, and hopefully. The idea that everybody is on the same page moving forward, whether it is the right page or not, will bear itself out. But previously, Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak were not on the same page as Jeannie Bus. And beyond whatever organizational problems you think come from that, it was an issue because Jeannie Bus would often undercut Jim and Mitch with her very obvious lack of faith in them. And right now, whether it turns out that that faith is in the right place or not, she is she is in a situation where she believes in Magic Johnson, she believes in Rob Palinka, she believes in Luke Walton, and that can be a big aid in finally moving the organization in the direction you want it to go. It helps also too, by the way, that they're not in a bad place. Oh yeah, no, question. I mean they 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 are Magic and polinka may ultimately turn out to be very good at their jobs, but it does help that they are taking over in a much brighter, much easier place to navigate from than Jim and Mitch had the last few years, ti- even, taking into account, even taking into account mistakes that Mitch and Jim made. So um,
0: the other thing that I thought was encouraging, uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we have no, we have no way to know what, what any of this translates into. He made it clear that they're not going to make a trade just to try to get an all-star for the all-star game. Good. Um, he also you know, said they're going to be very aggressive in fielding scenarios and talking to people and all these other things but is, they're certainly aware of the idea that moves that you don't make are also are as important as moves that you do. You know, we said at the top of the clip we just heard, you don't want to make trades for the purpose of making a splash. I don't think, and this is where having magic really helps, the last few years they've done things where you felt like they were trying to win the winter or mm-hmm. win the summer. Mm-hmm. You don't need to win the summer when you've just got Magic Johnson and people are feeling good. Like, Magic can kind of sell the summer, no matter what the summer for a little entails. while. for a little while for a little while. I'm, worried, I'm Four I'm summers going, from now,
1: Magic cannot win the. Summer. I'm going this off season. Yes, you are correct they do about. Do
0: not that. need to do anything because you know, particularly if they don't keep the pick, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Oh, geez, how are we going to get a star now? There's going to be a lot of pressure to quote unquote
1: do something. Never make trades because you got to do something. Well, uh, either way, if they make a trade or don't make a trade, you know, the moves they make, the moves they don't, they will all end up centering one way or another around D'Angelo Russell. Correct. And D'Angelo ended up having his exit interview about a week or so after everybody else, because he was in Louisville with his family um, after his grandmother's unexpected death. And I thought his exit interview was very interesting, in particular because of some of the questions that I got to ask him about Um I really wanted to find out D'Angelo's perspective on leadership because that, to me, is the biggest question that there still is about D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I you can debate how good a player you think he'll be, but I think by now it's very difficult to make the case that he's not going to be good. I, I think if you're saying that he's oh, he, not going to be a good player, a, you're a, not paying enough attention.
0: He's a 15, he's a, he stays healthy. He's a 12- or 13-year NBA player. I
1: agree. I mean, and a He's productive, and a productive yes. one at that. But Shelvin Mack has been in this league for like nine years now. But you know the the issues of leadership and accountability and maturity. I think those are really the question marks surrounding D'Angelo when it comes to whether or not the organization wants to commit to him or not. And He got asked about that.
0: I mean, honestly, this is all new. You know, not not being necessarily a leader, just really. I would say I've never been in a position where I had to to. Um, I am not how to say it. I've always been in the leadership position, but where I had to go
1: be the leader, everything was natural to me, you know. Um, what I said to players, how I came prepared to work, that was all natural to me. It was never, oh, today I got, I have to come this way because everybody's watching me. It was never anything like
0: that. So it's all new, but uh, like I said, I'm ready. I'm excited for it.
1: Essentially what he's saying is people listened to me before because I was the best player on the team. Right. Who the hell else were they going to take their right. cues from? They're going to take the guy who looks like take it from the guy who looks like he could be in the pros. You know, in his one year at Ohio State, he he went from being somebody who, by his own admission, expected to be there a couple years to, you know, a one and done second overall pick. Everybody's going to gravitate towards that guy. He's now in a position where he has to actually earn it. Where he's playing up against other professionals who've either been in the league longer than him or look like they could have as much potential as him. And Luke has actually said before that he thinks it's harder for D'Angelo to prove himself along those lines to his age peers as opposed to veterans on the team, even though those guys have been in the league longer. And that, to me, I thought was – it was heartening, you know, depending on what D'Angelo does with that. But it's good to see him, I think, recognize what the issue may be.
0: Yeah, and it's also – Not every 19-year-old, 20, 21-year-old is the same. I mean, these guys all get to this point. Many of them, I should say, at least get there differently. And D'Angelo, his deal is different than Ingram's. His deal is different than Randall's. And, you know, it's different than Carl Anthony Towns and some of these other guys who have been on the radar from the time they were in seventh grade. Russell was late to all this stuff. He was not supposed to be, a, he was not heavily recruited out of high school. He ended up at Ohio State. He was not expected to be a one and done. He was. So he's a little, in terms of the being prepared and groomed to be a pro and a, an NBA point guard with all the other ancillary stuff that comes with that, be, that, that isn't just what are you doing on the floor? It's your body language, it's you know, how you work a locker room, all that stuff. He wasn't groomed for that. In the same way that other guys were, so it's not surprising at all that his learning curve in those areas is not as he's maybe a little behind there relative, certainly to the other stuff. I'm not; it's not surprised. Doesn't mean it, it's not. It does. It does. I'm not saying he automatically gets to where you want him to go. I'm just saying if you put it all together, it's not
1: surprising he's not there yet. Well, he actually talked about. I I asked D'Angelo like beyond what you've learned that you need to do as far as leadership goes and what you're, what you're learning about what leadership means. You know, how much are you just learning as you go as a young NBA player? And he said a ton. I mean, he said, like, basically in his position, you know, young players, and I, I think it applies to a lot of these guys because, you know, it's a collection of young guys without a, a, lot, without a lot of tangible veteran leadership around. You're, you're figuring out a lot as you go. And you're figuring out this stuff as you go with other guys figuring it out as they go and a coach who is figuring this out as he goes. Luke Walton is a first-year head coach. And that that's not an ideal way to learn it. doesn't mean it can't be productive, and it doesn't mean that the overall experience can't be positive and that D'Angelo can't reach the places that you want him to go. But it does mean that I think it could take longer than you might expect in a scenario where there's more just guidance
0: I would think so I mean it's not been the most stable place to no. to be early i mean and i don't i don't want to be an apologist for the the flaws of, that he has,
1: but well I don't think we're uh, not being uh, apologists no. because we're pointing them out um but
0: i also don't i just i don't get i don't get why. He's automatically been noted out as I, I. mean, I get that's not true. I get why. I don't accept why he's been the guy who has just been named. Okay, well, if they get Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball, well, they got of course they'll trade D'Angelo. Why? If they if they if they want to move a guy, they got you got to get rid of Russell if you're going to get a star. He's never why. I don't get it because he's he's played well. I mean, he's I love what Ingram did toward the end of the year. D'Angelo Russell's best player on the team, and it's be, only because he's played well that people like have the expectations, and you know his draft status. And all that. If he never showed the promise, then people would already have given up on him more. Like they would, they wouldn't get so angry when he has one bad game.
1: Yeah, he he has a polarizing nature, and he's got, a, I think, a polarizing personality. And you know, he got. I think in a lot of ways, he's still getting punished for the incident with Nick Young. No question. And and look, it's up to him to prove people wrong, you know, whether they want to, whether they want to believe that they're wrong or not, it's up to him to provide evidence where I think any rational person would say, okay, it's time to put that in the rearview mirror, but there's a lot on D'Angelo and whether or not he's dedicated enough to act on it, it does seem like he is aware of what he needs to do. Like he talked about how, you know, he's starting to realize different things that he needs to do uh when it comes to being a leader for different guys on the team and i asked him specifically what did he mean and he said well, i've got specifics i'm not revealing them to you but i know what they are assuming, he's thinking about it look assuming he's not bsing good enough
0: we'll see see how this goes it all starts really the the first the first domino here is may 16th when uh the lakers find out whether they get to keep their pick um, we have not given away a statue Andy, in a long time. It's been a minute, and we need to we need to solve that problem. And this week, we are giving away a statue not to a player, but to an owner. A controversial a owner. A controversial owner. Not Johnny Bus. Not Janie Bus. She is not controversial at all. Not Jeannie Bus, or Joey Bus, or Jesse Bus. Jim, Bus. Jim, Bus. Jim 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 Bus Buss gets a statue. Gets a statue because he owns the team and he can authorize that sort of thing. Even though he's not really in charge anymore.
1: So, are you saying that if Jim Bus wanted to, he could have, he could essentially do the equivalent of when uh, various celebrities purchase their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Various celebrities purchase their own star
0: when um, Banana Republic dictators just create statues of themselves <laughs> in the town square. <laughs> It's, it's more that. <laughs> I decree today Jim Bus Day.
1: It's now, more that. Jim Buss' statue, though, is very interesting. I mean, it's actually, I, on one hand, there have been a lot of screw-ups. Yep. There have been a lot not of- a popular guy. not popular guy. Not a popular guy. You generally only put up statues of popular people. There has been a lot of imaging issues, a lot of PR issues. Mm-hmm. There's been the botched coup with Johnny Bus to take over that the didn't organization. Go well, it did, did not didn't go help, well, but but still gets a statue. Still gets a statue. On the other hand, though, Brian, he was there for two titles, and it it is unfair to put everything that is bad for the Lakers, put that all in Jim Bus's lap, and give him no credit whatsoever for his participation with those. Even
0: title for teams. even if it, if if all he deserves is well, you didn't screw that up, okay
1: fine didn't screw it up you know look, people say he was he was very instrumental in the in the drafting of andrew bynum right andrew bynum played a role in those two chi- those two titles maybe he was too attached to andrew bynum but nonetheless yeah, they moved him they got dwight howard they got they got dwight howard and they traded every, the guy for dwight howard everybody at the time loved that deal i mean people had spent three years and, clamoring for the lakers to get dwight and howard. it
0: turns out now I don't know if he was thinking of it quite the way, in the right way. He was right about not bringing Phil back. He may have actually... He may have
1: saved the Lakers. Jim, This is actually the strongest case you can make for Jim Buss' statue. Jim Buss was, the I think, the single strongest force in preventing Phil Jackson, president of basketball operations right. for the Los Angeles Lakers. Not because he didn't think Phil would be good at it, but because he hated him.
0: <laughs> but you know what? The but reason it doesn't matter. The reasons the, don't matter. The result is the same, and Phil Jackson is not in charge of the Lakers right now and basketball ops. And I think we can all agree, Andy, that is a good thing because it's not going well in New York.
1: No. No, I mean, really, Jim Buss. It would have made our Friday shorter for exit interviews. Jim Buss No, There they go. Jim Buss played a major role in dodging what might have been the most damaging potential bullet for the Lakers of, like, the last right. 20 His, years. And you chalk it up to the pettiness, if you sure, want. Sure, whatever. That's, I, fine, who cares? So, there's good and And bad. he's also, he has provided us some outstanding comedic material. So, uh, do you, you want me to go first, or you want to go first?
0: You go first. All right. There is a, where I'm doing with Jim Buss is, is I like to think outside the box. I like to be unique. Um I'm taking the, you that you can't can go either way. You can't put the Jim Bus statue near Staples. Oh, I think we can agree. He's he's not in the plaza either for LA Live. Not and I don't mean this because he's not popular enough, because or like he's not good enough, he's not worthy of it. It's just not a good thing for public safety. <laughs> People are going to be defacing it. Yeah, going to be throwing things at it. No, it's a bad idea. They're going to be taking selfies in front, making lewd gestures, mm-hmm. and it's bad look. Can't have that all over the Insta. So, there's, I'm putting him in El Monte, <laughs> specifically. There's, to my understanding, a large, L.A. Metro, bus depot. And I'm taking Jim, the statue of Jim, and it will be life-size but kind of lying prostrate under one of those L.A. Metro buses because that is where Jim spent most of his time, Oh, under a bus. <laughs> and sometimes it was fair. Sometimes it was unfair. Sometimes we put him under the bus. Sometimes – fans put him under the bus sometimes jim put himself under the bus but most of his time over the last three or four years was spent under a bus so it will be him wearing one of those travis matthews hats underneath a
1: bus in el monte it's not bad it's not bad it's not bad it's not bad, it's not bad. my location brian is going to be van nuys okay just feels about right I think I think when you think about where Jim Buss uh, I mean, occupies, not because of porn. No, oh no 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 no. I'm just saying. I think when you think about Jim Buss's, I guess sort of place in the L.A. hierarchy as related to his place in the Lakers hierarchy, yeah. Van Nuys seems about right. Yeah, the Valley not the best place in the valley. Not, it's not the worst place in the valley. It's not the
0: worst. It's not the best.
1: Uh, I was going to say, it's not the worst, but it's getting It's there. It's on. It's in the lower part. <laughs> it's in the lower part. And it's, they're, look, it's and very I know dirty. they're
0: trying to redevelop Van Nuys, and there's some nice little pockets of it or whatever, but generally speaking, if you say Van Nuys to people, they're going to think pornography. Well, look, if if they're they, going to think smog and grime if and If Van
1: Nuys experiences the type of revitalization that downtown L.A. has enjoyed or what everybody is predicting Inglewood will enjoy... You move the statue. Here's how you do it. You right. can just move it. Here's how you know. Move it to a crappier part of the valley. If you go on Craigslist
0: and you're looking for an apartment or something like that, it will often say Encino adjacent. Right.
1: They, that means Van Nuys. <laughs> but, well, here's actually how you no know. No one ever says Van Nuys adjacent. I was just going to say, that's how you know. Like, right. Be- like you know, Beverly Wood. Beverly Wood's a nice neighborhood. It's a nice neighborhood, but it's not Beverly it's not Hills. Beverly Hills they're trying to convince you it's that it's Beverly It's Beverly
0: Wood, Hill. but you could still... Beverly Wood is a nice enough neighborhood that you might say something is
1: Beverly Wood adjacent. And my statue, it's going to be conceptual um, because I think we can all agree just Jim Bus getting the statue in and of itself feels a little bit conceptual, a little bit outside the box. Hey, this whole this whole geek, uh, <laughs> uh, gimmick that we're doing here, it's going to be life-size, but it's just going to be a hat, a mullet, and a cigarette. And it's just going to be those three things. It's almost like uh, remember the shmoo. <laughs> it's going to be kind of like the shmoo or Captain Caveman in a hat and a
0: cigarette. All right, it, what, what you're really doing here, Andy, is it's something you see a lot on like the How do you forget the, the form?
1: The oh, yeah. Well, he doesn't have arms in my version. <laughs> You gotta listen closer, CJ. <laughs> this is this is
0: serious, but like, this is very this is very much like a like you see on Iron Chef or Top Chef or something like a
1: deconstructed gym Bus statue, right?
2: Also, maybe you can stick it in. The- you know what?
1: The okay, you know what, CJ? I'll take your suggestion. The racing form will be on the ground in front of him, and he's like staring at it in a way that he reaches, wishes he could pick it up, but he can't. Like somehow he gets the cigarette lit in his mouth. Like I guess he's got labor for that.
2: I was but, maybe it's because of the devastation that the racing form represents. It mm. could possibly
1: be. Or the life he should have led. One or the other. But either way, that's- that's Every be day mu- Chaz comes by and lights the cigarette. But that's all. And, and you know what? Because he can't speak. He can't let Chaz know, hey, the racing form, could you pick that? And, mm. Torture. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that there you go. Should And then, I guess maybe there should be a statue of Chaz next to him as well. Yeah. Or we'll do Chaz's statue another day. <laughs> I think
0: Chaz gets a better location than Jim. <laughs> At the very least, Chaz is gonna be in a bar or near booze. I mean that's really all you know in one form or another. it? Chaz, did, 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 that, Chaz save is known
1: it? for. Did that save it? Ah,
0: don't do the show now. Do the show later. Uh, did I say gick, by the way, when I what was the other word gimmick and bit, I think is what I was Shtick. Shtick. It came out gick. hmm That wasn't good. No. Um. All right, so Prince died a year ago today, and in honor of that, we were are going to play, I think, kind of a fun game. We did a little bit this morning on the radio, but we're going to do uh, an expanded version. It is going through Prince albums. We stole this idea from Bomani Jones, specifically you did. And what are the categories? You go
1: big profile Prince albums, and we're picking the- Best song? Best song? The worst song. Okay. The most overrated song, most underrated song. And, and it should be noted, and I think people who regularly listen know this anyway- Brian and I are major yeah. Prince fan. Prince is my all time favorite artist. When you say worst, it's all relative, and also too part of what makes the game fun in the first place is Prince has so few bad songs. At well, least not a, not on the good albums. Right, when, not when on he, the good albums. On the wheat,
0: there's some chaff when sure. he was when he was upset with Warner and but, was releasing literally everything
1: he ever. But recorded. when you're talking about the wheat, that's what makes there's, it fun. Yeah. Okay, is you got to eliminate one of them. So where or do we label start? it One way. Start? Uh, let's start with purple rain purple rain okay uh best song on purple rain for me it's purple rain purple rain is maybe the greatest love song i've ever heard it's up there it's also it's it's got a really interesting backstory that that prince actually set out to write like an anthem theme like one of those songs that gets everybody to take out their bix and you know light them up and have the whole you know the whole arena singing like he was looking to like do his version of bob seeker like I'm not even kidding. That's that's what he was looking to do. Um I it's, it's just a
0: gorgeous song. Let's go crazy, when doves cry, purple rain. You gotta pick one. Uh I'll go when doves cry. I feel like that's in terms of like a little bit innovative.
1: It's very innovative. You no know, baseline.
0: But like, but I just mean in terms of what the song's about, how it's constructed, put together, you know, the content of it, all that. It's Let's Go Crazy is amazing. Purple Rain is amazing. I'm gonna go When Doves Cry, though. Works really hard.
1: This is all relative. I mean, it's a good song. If you had to take out one, Take Me With You, I think is the one you will miss the least. It's pretty. I mean, it's a really pretty song. Yeah, it's all right. It's the one I could do without if Some I had to Some people might point to Computer Blue. No. That's a better... No, Yo, you the don't computer lose... a better song. You don't lose com- Computer Blue just because of the guitar work at the end. The guitar work is too good. You cannot get rid of that. Yeah, I would like agree his, I mean he knocks the crap out of the Wawa pedal. Underrated. Underrated is the beautiful ones. The beautiful ones is so pretty and so emotionally wrenching and plus you know in Purple Rain he's singing it laying on his back then pointing at Abalonia. putting her True. putting her to a I'm choice. Going,
0: I, I'm going with baby I'm a star I'm looking at this. Like just because I mean I that charted if I remember correctly. Yeah, it correctly. did chart. I don't think it was a number 1, but it charted. I don't think it was. I but I think when you go through all like the hits from Purple Rain
1: and you, this would be the one everybody kind of forgets. And it's a great good song. It is a really good it's song. It's a great song. And it's also, too, in Purple Rain, when Prince finally realized that the crowd understood him. And that he, was important. He finally... Could, the best part... But
0: If you go, go back through and listen to this album again... It's so good. It's But I'm saying, like, Baby I'm a Star is stickier. Like, if you listen, you go and listen to it... It is stickier than you think, and it is stickier than a lot of other Prince songs that
1: you associate more with being hits. So, baby, I'm a star. And then, uh, overrated for me, and I love this song, but I'm choosing Darling Nikki because I think it's overrated for its lewdness. I mean, people talk about it being, you know, the Prince's most out there sexual song. It's not even the most out there of that time. Like, you know, let's pretend we're married, Sister, which is about. Incest, you know, Soft and Wet, which I don't think I need to explain what it's about. <laughs> some, uh, some other songs. It's I not li- even close. I believe it's about flan. <laughs> <laughs> Darling Nikki is just the one that Tipper Gore heard and freaked her out and wanting to have warning labels. But it's not, it's not the Prince that is most loose. Can I do uh, Take Me With You as both worst and overrated? Because that was a hit. It was a hit.
0: I guess you could go there yeah. if you want to. Sure, that feels like a bit of a, a, a cop out, but I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Uh, you want to do another one? Sure. Uh, 1999,
0: 1999 song
1: list. All right. Best song. 19 uh, Little Red, Little Red Corvette. Corvette. Little Red Corvette is one of the most, if not the best, constructed pop songs I've ever heard. Like just as a, as a as a work of art, creating a pop single, it's perfect.
0: Yeah, and you forget on this. This is Prince. This is in. You know, back in this was when did they 1982. This out? 1982. You could still kind of get away with really long songs. That yeah. Weren't to- like, there are a bunch of five, six, seven, eight minute songs on this album that um, are, you just you kind of forget.
1: Um, People forget how long uh, 1999 Uncut is. Yeah, it's six 10 minutes, minutes.
0: It's six minutes long. Okay. Um, that's long. It is long. So, Little Red Corvette's the best song on the album. I agree. Uh,
1: worst. Worst is probably free. Freezen it's not a great song. It's a, it's a it feels a little trite. I mean, it's it's not awful, but it's not Prince at his best. I would say that. underrated for Lady me Lady Cab driver is a great Lady song. Lady Cab driver's a really good song. Lady Cab Driver is a great song. That that's an underrated and song. And you never like nobody ever you never hear anybody say Lady Cab driver. Not often. Not often. Like that's, that 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 for me fits for underrated. I'm going automatic. I think Automatic is really and You want to talk about long and experimental? Nine minutes, 28 seconds. But it's really catchy. It's really, really catchy. Like, um, my, my six-year-old daughter loves that song. It's a good song. She loves it. I just automatic. feel like that's not underrated. I feel like it's rated. I feel I like think, it's appropriately rated. I guess. I think it's more forgotten, which would make it underrated. Not as forgotten as Lady Cab Driver. <laughs> I would disagree. I actually think Lady Cab Driver is more remembered than Automatic. You think so? I don't think Automatic was even released as a single. Oh. I could be wrong, but I think Lady Cab Driver is probably more remembered than Automatic. But either way, they're both underrated songs. I agree. And most overrated. For it to be overrated, it's
0: got to be kind of a hit in one form or another. Something that people tell you, 1999... Is not overrated. I'm sorry, that is not an overrated song. Little Red Corvette, we already talked about. Delirious isn't overrated. Delirious is awesome. Delirious is awesome. And if you rate it as awesome, you're correct. You're not making a Let's Pretend We're Married is a great song. I'm not sure there is an underrated song on this album.
1: Yeah, overrated. Overrated. My response Because there are forgotten songs. My choice is actually going to be 1999. And the reason just become it became so overdone. At like New Year's parties, especially with Y2K. But
0: it's not an overrated song. If you're just looking at it as a song. You have to pick something. You have to pick something. That's the
1: exercise. I don't want to. Well, you have to. All
0: right. Because like International Lover can't be the
1: answer because it's not rated. Sure. I'm just saying you have to pick something. All right, fine. I'll go with 1999. I mean, for that rationale again, D- "Darling Nikki" is not an overrated song. It's an awesome song, but it is overrated for its lewdness. But it is—it is, it is kind of dirty. You have to find a way in, Andy. There was a woman mm-hmm. in I know. the lobby. I know what she was up to with the magazine, but still, liberating herself—it's overrated. Your magazine in a hotel lobby—it's still. Let's not. I don't think we can get into the lyrics of "Sister" here or a few other songs. No, Andy, still.
0: But she was doing that though.
1: Yeah. I get it. Okay. I get it. Uh do you want to do another one? Or are we are
0: you one more album? Or... One more. Okay. You choose. Let's do sign of the time. Okay. Lots to choose from.
1: There's a lot. This one was hard. This um, one was very hard. So you want to do worst? Okay, we'll start out with worst. Uh I love how it begins, but by the end of Housequake. I'm kind of over it. That was my choice too. I mean, it's not a bad song. It is not a
0: bad I, song, I'll be honest but I I could I I don't need 9 minutes of it's going to be a beautiful night.
1: Oh, I do. I love that oh, song, I but I feel like 9 I do. minutes no, might no, be oh, too the, much. No, 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 you are wrong. You you have not listened to it's going to be a beautiful night lately enough if that's the way you think. The way it builds and the way it ends is phenomenal. You could argue it doesn't go long enough. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's that oh. great. But I would say Housequake for worse. I sometimes forget Forever in My Life. That's a good song. It is a good song. My daughter
0: all of a sudden is into that song. I might, Maybe I'll swap that out with It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night. It's, I mean, like, okay. Forever <sighs> in My Life's pretty. It is, it is, but I sometimes forget. Housequake. I mean, Housequake is a good place to start. Housequake would be for worse right, for me. Uh, Again, it's all It's all relative. relative. And then Sign of the Times is not an album with bad songs on it. Not um,
1: really, no. All right, so what's next? Uh, I guess Overrated. My choice here is going to be controversial. All right, go ahead. Adore. Prince fans love Adore. I think I've always gotten the impression that Adore is among the more popular Prince songs among Prince fanatics, mm-hmm. and I think it's good, but I've never gotten into it the way other Prince fans have. Like it's ne- it's never been one that I've gravitated towards. And I think most Prince fans, like, for example, Bomani, who, you know, we stole this conceit from, is a major Prince fan, has written about Prince. If you ever want to read good stuff about Prince, find Bomani's stuff. I know Bomani loves Adore. And I I think he is not alone among Prince fanatics. And it's never been one that really spoke to me.
0: I Is the cross overrated? Like, is it rated enough to be overrated? It's one of the more forgotten songs, I think, on the album. And I like it, and I used to really like it. Um, I think that may be overrated. It
1: may be the one okay. that doesn't uh,
0: do a, a ton for me.
1: For me, underrated is I could never take the place of your man. See, I think that's appropriately rated. I think, I think most people dig that one. I think they should dig it more. I think it's that good. I think, it's, well, I think, I already, I think most Prince fans put it in the... They don't dig it enough, as far as I'm concerned. Um, They're still see, failing. I think it
0: is underrated. It is
1: really good. It is really
0: good and it is it the build in that one from the beginning to the end to where you end up is awesome. I went back and So like the it to me seems like a better version of what Prince was sort of trying to go for in The Cross in terms of how the music builds. There's a build to it.
1: Mm. There's a bigger build in The Cross actually. There's a much bigger build in the cross than it but i mean it it, it doesn't matter i I went back and forth for underrated between i could never take the place of your man and if i was your girlfriend and then best song sign of the times and this is hard this is a lot of really good songs oh wait I, i moved off the page too early um
0: i went back and forth on this a lot i mean i could never take the place of your man is amazing play in the sunshine is amazing I'm going to go with, I can never take the place of your man.
1: I'm actually going to go starfish and coffee. I, I, that That's so, it's gorgeous. And the lyrics are so print. Like nobody else would have come up with those lyrics. And it's just, it's really happy. It is happy. But it makes you think. It's just, it's great. I love it. It's And it's All it's right, unusual. It's, it sounds like nobody else by an artist that sounds like nobody else. Even though he's um, it's on got, my list. Even though he's got influence from everyone. It's on my list of favorite songs, but it's so anyway, it's a fun exercise, and again, the one year anniversary of Prince's death. Uh both of us huge, huge Prince fans. And it, it still to me feels weird that Prince is gone. I would agree. It feels really, really weird. And sad. Um All right, so
0: more playoffs, more Lakers stuff. And I guess we want to play this anniversary game. A ton of people died last year, so do this a lot. Yeah, we might. Um, And that's it. We'll see everybody next time.